This podcast was brought to you by Zinc. Zinc is an all-in-one background and reference checking software that supercharges the capabilities of ambitious HR and hiring teams. Our range of integrated solutions turn bad to brilliant, saving weeks of team time all while building brand love. Thanks for listening. Welcome to Talent Hacks for Scale-Ups, the show for growing businesses moving at the speed of light. I'm your host, Sophie Power. Hello, folks. Hello. Hello. Um, welcome to Talent Hacks for Scale-Ups. I am your host, Sophie Power, Talent Lead at Zinc. Thank you very much for everybody who's joining. Um, very excited for today and all of our, our lovely panellists as well. Um, I, I will kick things off because um, we've got lots of exciting things to talk about. Um, this month, we're doing a, a live webinar, which is a first for this podcast. So do bear with me. Uh, this is my first time live. I'm very used to being able to ask producer Lucy um, to to cut any waffling out. So um, do apologise if I, I go on. Um, and yes, I am delighted to welcome Alan, Andrea and Willem. Hello. Hi. Hi. Hey, Sophie. Thanks for having us. Hey, cool. So I thought maybe just to start very, very quickly, um, would you mind just introducing yourself? And we'll, we'll start with Andrea, ladies first. <laughs> Hi, I'm, I'm Andrea Marston. I'm based in London in the UK and I am the uh, Senior Director for TA at VMware, which is a tech company, about 40,000 people. And yeah, and I've been I've been in TA about 20 odd years. Wonderful. Thank you. Um, Alan. OK, so I'm Alan Walker. I'm one of the co-founders of a HR tech consulting business called Udder. Um, I'm no longer a TA person, but I do have prior to joining at a, some like 12 or 13 years of TA experience. And a lot of my clients now are, are TA folk. Of course. And last but certainly not least, Willem. Hello. Nice. Thanks. Yeah, my name is Willem Reinhold. I am Dutch, live in the Netherlands, and I'm currently with Ashby, all-in-one recruitment platform. But previously, um, I've led the talent team at Vermouth, big e-bike company, and worked at all the you know, a pretty big uh, cohort of, uh, of British startups, uh, like Improbable. Um, and yeah, I'm very excited to uh, to join this uh, this session today. Wonderful. Thank you so much and welcome. And, and thank you for, for joining me. I'm really excited for this. So uh, for folks attending, the idea is that we're going to have a discussion on top tips to supercharge your new hiring. Um, we're going to talk through, I've got a couple of questions and then we'll release you back into the wild uh, in no time. But yes, I suppose we'll we'll jump right in, you know, kind of thinking about, you know, what sort of things uh, folks are, are prioritising for this year. Um, uh, Andrea, let's start with you. What what kind of things are you are you sort of focusing on this year um, with VMware? Mm -hmm. So we're... Um... I mean, it's all it's all out there in the in the public domain. And so we are being acquired by Broadcom, so we're expecting that to close this year. So that that creates a huge amount of change and uncertainty because you know that th you know that things are going to change. You just don't, not quite sure exactly what yet. 
So, um, so that's the, the key thing that's there. So what we're really looking is making sure we've got agility in the team, in the program, in everything that we're doing, um, that we can react very quickly to changes. Um, and But also all the classic stuff like, can we make sure candy experience is really good? Can we still bring down our time to fill? Um, can we ensure that our employer branding is still going to be strong even going through all this change? So those things probably haven't changed at all for years, but there's always going to be little differences in there. And then, of course, DEI comes in every single year. We're in the tech industry and that overlays absolutely everything. Yeah, yeah. I think it's really important to always keep that front and centre whenever looking at, particularly when you've got opportunities, you know, like a, like an acquisition to, to, you know, sometimes that can be an opportunity to kind of springboard a lot of change. So keeping it in mind, I think, is, is a really good idea. And then Alan and, and Willem, with people that you're speaking to in the industry, um, sort of clients and, and customers and uh, folks that, you know, what, what kind of things are you noticing that seems to be the focus for this year? What I see with a lot of um, customers and uh, prospects that we're chatting with is that cost consolidation is a big topic. Um, what we've seen with the last years of like uh, growth um, at Moss, a lot of people bought a lot of like point solutions for you know solving their uh, their hiring needs or their 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 HR needs. Um, and now you know people find themselves in a little bit of a less economic uh, um, position, and um, all of a sudden the CEO comes banging on the door. Uh, talking about like, hey, do we actually all need all this tooling? So I see that happening quite a bit um, in the HR tech space, uh, but also in the rack ops uh, tech space. So, you know, consolidating the, the point solutions is a, is a big thing. And a lot of TA leads are talking about quality of hire. So that's also basically the question that I, uh, you know, that I have for, for you, Sophie and, and Andrea, because you're still like actively um, doing the hiring. Like, how do you measure quality of hire? Because they're so much chat about that and obviously we don't need to answer that now but that's basically a, a pin that I want to put in the uh, in the ground here yes uh, that's actually one of the great thinking uh, it's one of the one of the questions uh, that I thought would be good for us to kind of have a little look at um, but yeah I mean we can maybe dive into that uh, Alan do you have sort of anything to, to add there uh, I think what we're seeing from our clients and and it's a bit broader than just TA because we're, we're doing quite a lot of work now in the Directly in the HR space, it's again to to Willen's point. How do we do the same with less money yeah. and, and spend less? But actually, rather than necessarily removing tooling, we're finding that a lot of the clients are working with us because they're looking at removing headcount. Um, so, what can they automate? And um, what parts of the the HR process, the onboarding process, the offboarding process, the TA process, whatever it might be, um, what parts can they automate? And whether that's automating just through fairly standard technology or through using AI to kind of supercharge certain elements of it. It differs from client to client, but that's what they're all aiming for. And we saw a similar thing in the, when COVID kicked in. So interestingly, suddenly hiring came to a ground a grinding halt. Yeah. Uh, and as many of you guys in the TA space know, um, it was a very, very upsetting time for a lot of TA folk because suddenly there wasn't any TA to do and there wasn't as much need for TA folk in businesses. So there was a ton of layoff, which was really sad. Um, but we were finding that those teams that were still looking at TA as a function, um, they, were, they were thinking about, okay, how can we, when we do have to eventually grow again, and we do have to start scaling up again, how can we make sure that we're only bringing in the headcount we need to service our TA function? So again, where can we where can we look to be more efficient and um, and more, more automated where possible? So that's the kind of stuff we're working on and what our clients talk to us about. 
Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. It's something that it's definitely a trend I've noticed um, speaking to people within my network and, um, you know, also thinking about, you know, the way I was hiring last year and and will most likely be this year as well. It's thinking about uh, constantly kind of scrutinising that headcount plan and thinking, is this, you know, sort of exactly what is right? Are, you know, sort of making sure all of the, the roles that we're looking to recruit are, are really well briefed and how they have a clear plan of, of work. And yeah, um, ideally before before we kind of go out to market and and look at them. Um, and that's, you know, sort of a really important part of the, the briefing meeting process that we, we pulled together here at Zinc and have been working on over the past year. And it's certainly something that, yeah, we want to, to kind of carry on with. Um, so yeah, I know it's really interesting. So jumping sort of jumping into some of the questions that I've got I've got planned um let's let's pick up on and we will go back to your question Willem but let's pick up on what Alan was talking about because I think the the automation HR tech um is are there any particular tools that you that that any folks are are noticing seem to be kind of growing in popularity um and are, are sort of helping uh teams sort of yeah literally supercharge hiring for the year what what kind of things specifically are you noticing people are, are looking at um we've done just which is a slightly different for us but last year we worked with three different care companies and we never touched that space before it's something we weren't familiar with particularly and uh, we'd never really none of us had really operated in that kind of high volume high application level kind of environment um, and in there, it's the, that world is very much, it's fastest finger first, and to a certain degree when it comes to hiring. So people who want to work in care, which is a calling to a certain degree rather than necessarily a career, it's a really tough job. And if you want to work in that environment, you want to work in care for a very specific reason. Yeah. But in any given location, there could be 10, 20, 30, 40 different care jobs that you could do and you could apply for. And generally, candidates, when they're going there, apply for all of them. So suddenly you're in a race to a certain degree, who can push that candidate if they're the right candidate through a process and offer them a role and get them actually started doing work and on a shift and sit in the quickest time. Um, so in that space, we've absolutely seen where are the bottlenecks? And often it's the, the assessment process. Yeah. And, and helping candidates deselect themselves from that world as well to a certain degree. What can we do better there? So assessment technology has been a big thing. And, and then the whole kind of onboarding piece, the compliance bit, actually part of this is interesting to think, of course, the whole referencing yep. bit, but that aside, the whole background checking and everything else that comes into that space of getting somebody ready to work in that environment, they're the two biggest bottlenecks. Strip those out, automate the hell out of those as much as you can, um, but while still making them do as good or better job than you were doing previously when it was very manual, were the biggest wins in that environment, certainly. That's what I've been seeing anyway recently. How do you feel, like I've, I've obviously never dabbled in that space, but I feel personally that in the HR tech space, APIs and like we're, like it's lagging behind. Like what, yeah. what, what is the state of kind of like building automations? You know, are there webhooks? Like how, how much can you do really with, uh, with the, the tooling that you have out there in the, in the car world? Some ACSs are better than others. I think it's a, it's a fairest way of, of saying it. The, the, some of the more modern systems are the ones that are more product orientated and have actually gone are going to market with the ethos of we want to be the core of the recruitment process, but we don't necessarily want to control the whole of the recruitment process. So they build their product with with integration in mind, 
whether it's through of an open API and going, you can do what you like with it, Mr. Customer, or, or more structured things, which is, you know, natively building in Zapier integration and making that really easy for customers to do stuff, or having a big marketplace of integration partners where um, partners can pick up the heavy lifting in particular areas. Different vendors approach it in, in other ways. We're finding the vendors that most of our customers are moving away from are those that are trying to do everything and not opening up to the wider world and recognizing that there are potentially other systems that can do things better um, or can do them more efficiently or can just do them differently if the client wants to do it that way. So I think if it's a building for, for integration and automation, they're, they're the ATSs that we find are obviously the easiest to do that stuff with. Yeah, that's that's interesting. Um, and it's a question that I know from speaking with my my lovely colleagues in the sales team, hello, if any of them are watching, uh, it's, it's a question we get a lot um always questions about you know kind of what what products the zinc uh platform integrates with and yeah we we uh work with uh, a couple of care companies and and that speed of onboarding is is something that's really important to to um to to getting to getting people through the door um efficiently and i know that from my pre-startup life when i was working um for for a telecoms company doing call center volume hiring um and yeah the the background checks um it was one of the things that sort of made me think oh that's uh sync's a, a good idea um certainly getting that that speed of hire uh nailed down was was really important and it was the background checks actually that, that did kind of delay things um and getting people started um andrea what about yourself what what kind of if if any um and i think it, it'll be interesting maybe after after sort of this to, to perhaps have a look at what kind of things what kind of times you maybe don't look at tech but what what sort of tech um have you been sort of looking at or interested in um sort of thinking about what you've got going on this year yeah i mean i i do actually love all the automation stuff okay being and to point um alan that you're talking about there in in um in the care industry i know chris ray when he was at Anchor, he did a load of stuff with chatbots that just blew my mind it was a few years ago now but the stuff that they were doing to really bring people in quickly, I thought was fantastic. And it wasn't necessarily something I could just steal and put where I was at the time, because we were generally having to do this very much white glove approach to any mm. single applicant because we had so few. But um, so it was a different type of industry. And so on the back side of that, we're still looking at automation. There's still lots of things we could automate in the recruitment process. Absolutely. And things we could automate even with working with our hiring managers but um we are in an industry where we're generally you know sourcing for talent for the the harder to fill stuff for software engineers etc so for us it is around candidate engagement so we've got we have beamery for example a crm um, i think it's great it's it we've had it now a few years and it's really it, it does help us engage with prospective talent out there um, but there's lots of other things we use as well to really get a good grip on what's happening out there in the market. So we use Seekout, for example, which is a little bit like Horsefly. Um, we use LinkedIn, like, like everyone does, okay, but also Talent Insights to really bring that data and drive the conversation with the hiring managers on what might be another option rather than the purple unicorn you're actually looking for. So we do all those things. Um, we're not, I mean, we're not in the market right now to be looking at new tech because of the acquisition. Yeah, of but course. I'm still keeping an eye on stuff. I like um, 
you know, we will still do some tweaks around the edges. I love what Eightfold are doing as well. That's another one that's really impressed me recently. Um, and I think as we move more towards um, looking for skills rather than jobs, I think that will be where TA eventually gets to, although I think it will take a few years for us really to embrace that. Yeah, definitely. I think that's really interesting. The point on looking for skills, it's something some of our more recent roles that we hired towards the end of, of last year at Zinc, and I know that we'll be hiring more later in the year are, you know, not super senior roles. Um, and one of the things we've wanted to do, again, thinking about diversity and inclusion, as you so rightly mentioned at the start, is taking a more kind of skills based approach to assessment, slightly more vocational uh part of the assessment process um where we're you know still a pretty small scale up um although growing all the time which is really exciting um at 30 today be 31 uh next month and, and onwards and upwards but um you know we're, we're kind of at the moment doing everything uh sort of quite quite manually and finding ways to sort of you know sort of automate what we can in terms of templating and and sort of things like that but yeah looking at those more skills-based assessments um yeah are, are you know sort of definitely a, a great way especially when working with volume recruitment actually um where it's it's maybe harder to sit there and go through sort of a large you know kind of inbound volume of, of candidates and think you know, everything starts to blur into one. So looking at sort of more skills-based assessment, um, really interesting point about chatbots. I, I do remember um, that was a, a big topic um, a few years ago, um, particularly for volume recruiting. And it's really interesting to see, you know, if you're taking a more skills-based assessment approach, is that something that, that people can start to look at? So where do you introduce the assessment? Um, I see companies like driving an assessment from like the application form, which I feel is like a killer to your pipeline. Um, <laughs> How do you kind of like, you know, where do you time that event? Because I think assessments are killer to your, you know, to velocity because it takes a little bit more time and not assessments like the, the background checks, but more like validating people. Um, how do you do that in prospective companies? Yeah. So what we currently do is um, it does depend on the role. So for roles where we typically get much lower volume, have to take a very outbound heavy approach to recruiting um you know sort of we have kind of a flexible process to assessment so we actually offer candidates for example developers um we offer them two options at the moment so do they want to come in and do kind of a whiteboarding exercise sit down with the team get a real feel for what it's like to hash out a problem with potential future colleagues they're assessing us as much as we're assessing them or do they want to do sort of something take home um in their own time and then sort of talk through it at the, the final stage so we kind of do it at that point Mm -hmm. um for maybe more uh junior hires what we tend to look at is having kind of an initial talk having a chat about the role kind of getting an idea that you know sort of the sort of expectations and interest and and sort of understanding of of you know what the role is and and the interest to go forward is there and then if if that is the case then sort of look at doing the assessment yeah. at that point um but i i do agree it can putting sort of a super heavy assessment in too early is is definitely um a bit of a pipe can be can be a bit of a pipeline killer um what's uh what do other folks think i think it it depends what you're doing it for to a certain degree so yeah you, your cold hard thanks for applying now let's see if you're any good kind of thing can can be a very very much a damp script to willem's point absolutely i think where i've seen it sometimes work really well and this is kind of not necessarily super high volume, but again, it probably works where there's a reasonable amount of volume. It's come more than rather than an assessment, more of a kind of realistic job preview. 
So you've applied for this job. Let us show you a little bit more about it and can actually show you what your day-to-day -day is going to look like. And we might ask you some questions along the way. So in care, for example, it could be a great time to show, show somebody what they're going to be doing as a carer if they've never worked in that world. If they're fitting glass into cars, um, again, show them that you're out on the road, it's cold, it's wet, you're lifting levy things. What do you think? So you almost use it as a, as a self-deselection tool to a certain degree rather than just a, are you any good? Do we really want to hire you kind of thing? But yeah. it does act as both to a certain degree. So I think I think it depends. It's not really a straight up answer because it, yeah. it can be very much come down to where where it naturally sits. If you're hiring developers, you probably don't want to hit them with a skills assessment on day one. No. Because they're gonna no. go, well, nobody else asked me for this on day one. So I'll think I'll go and apply for a job elsewhere. Yeah. Well, oh, but no, you I do think... want to assess their skills in some way, shape, or form. Because <laughs> otherwise you could be hiring someone who's just brilliant interviews. Yeah, yeah, I think that's that's a, a really good point. Um, and the sort of things that are hyper relevant to work. So, for example, um, like our SDRs. Um, hello, if you're watching, um, we we took sort of a his his sort of a, a rough his a LinkedIn profile of of a, an ideal client. Um, our VP of Sales actually gave them my LinkedIn profile, which was a bit awkward because I was the one sending out the message. And then we asked them to um, draft a prospect email um, as if you're trying to sell something to me. Um, it can be Zinc, it can be a piece of tech that you know really well. Because um, um, that is the job. Um, that's that's what people will be doing. Um, and that is what they, they're doing today. So if they don't like doing that, um, that's absolutely fine, but probably not the right role for for them. And you know, if if they really enjoy it, great. I've got some good news. Um, you'll be doing a lot of them. Um, but yeah, I I think yeah, there's definitely more nuance than sort of a blanket um, approach. And I think as well, um, you know, sort of thinking about this year, um, we know of course that there's been a lot of uh, unfortunately layoffs, particularly in the tech industry. It's been a very stressful time for TA folks, uh, has been for a couple of years now, um, just to uh, address uh, the pandemic. I was a self-employed recruiter, so it was terrifying. Um, although I am I am sort of a, a full-time permie here at Zinc. But um, yeah, you know, we see, or I'm seeing, I'm in a, a seed stage startup and I'm seeing way more inbound than I've ever been used to, um, which for, for, you know, a lot of you know it's it's nice but then I've got kind of a problem that I'm I've not been used to for a very long time not since I've worked in sort of really big kind of corporate brands where I'm like how do I get through assessing and screening and interviewing you know sort of this really high number of people um so that kind of assessment piece comes in there and it is really important um Andrea sort of working in a, a large organization um like VMware like what what do you think about these kinds of things and, and sort of dealing with you know potentially a higher volume of, of inbound than than ever before we have two types of roles right so we have we have a high volume and then we have our relatively low volume and and the high volume one that's not going to change and you you i think there's elements you can do to your job description to try to make it a little bit more attractive to people but also trying to filter out the wrong sort of people um i'm a big believer in performance-based job descriptions they've been talked about for a hell of a long time um we we did revamp all our jds last year so that they are uh, there's a piece about the hiring manager it's about they get to put a little bit about them and how they work and what it's going to be like and i don't understand why 
that's just not commonplace. It's a really easy, free thing to do and just makes your job description sound a little bit more interesting than the shopping list of stuff that we know turns off half the population anyway. So the more we can do, we're talking about this is what your role will be doing. This is the kind of things you're going to be doing. This is what success looks like. This is what we would expect a high performer to do. All that stuff written into a job description rather than you must have mm. is, a, is actually quite a straightforward change, but it is a mindset change. And I think there's a real there's a real space to do that still, you know, that because most companies still haven't done that. So if you want to make it look different and you want to attract the right sort of people, then what has worked for me in high volume is we've done things like, you know, now we we pool our talents. Okay, so we have a high volume where we have um, different hiring managers will pull together to interview against a common generic job description, even though they might be looking for small differences. So we do that to really maximize and bring down that time to fill on high volume. But in the past, I've also done things like sent out questionnaire, a really simple questionnaire automated off the back of the ATS to say, can you give me more information about these few things just to cut it down? But that was when I was a standalone recruiter in a startup and, and basically just trying to cut down on some of the noise that I had. Um, and I know that that turned off some people, but, you know, I think there is a balance of you know, as long as you're getting back to everyone and as long as you are closing that loop, that, that feedback loop with everyone, you can ask for stuff up front if the population out there that can do the job is sufficiently big. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's a really good point, actually. And and you make a really interesting point um, about sort of doing things that are easy and free, things that anybody watching can literally just log off this call after it's finished, please. Um, thank you very much. And uh, <laughs> and then uh, look at uh, straight away, uh, the, you know, sort of having a look at your job descriptions, adding a bit in about the hiring manager, like that's something I don't do and it's something I would love to do. And I know that, that my team would be super keen on. One of the things that we had an experiment with and then as as the year got very hectic and busy towards the end, maybe dropped off a, a bit with, if I'm being honest, um, was doing like a little video job description. So just jumping on a, a Zoom, Zoom call like this, um, recording it really quickly for as short a time as possible and just having letting the hiring manager really quickly kind of pitch the role in a video format um, from an inclusion perspective. That's great for maybe folks who find, you know, maybe they're dyslexic and find reading a huge amount of text difficult. Maybe they're, you know, sort of anxious um, and, and sort of want to have an idea of who they'd be working with, giving them an idea of, you know, sort of what their, their manager might be like, um, which um, as an autistic person, I would find quite useful, um, you know, sort of things like that, um, you know, and again, you, you can use that with tools that you can download for free. And, and I have done uh, in the past, it gives you, you know, for, for those of you working in a, a standalone TA role, which hello. Um, and, and I know um, uh, other folks have as, as well. It's, uh, it's also helps you build like this collateral and, and kind of bank of, of things that you can then adapt, reuse, maybe take clips of, share elsewhere, things like that. So, um, Sophie, yeah. How much help do you get from your, from your hiring managers? Like, uh, do you, do you do this alone or like, you know, when you have a batch, big batches of like applicants, like how much involvement do you get from the hiring managers? How well are they trained? Like, how do you, how do you do that? Well, I, okay. I mean, I, I've had to put in the recruiter light touch 
um, a few times, you know, when, when we've been bombarded with, with reps and, you know, this happens when like, there's loads of reasons, right. But you know, when your TA team is just too small to cope with the volume and, and so said, okay, right. We have to have, these are the high priority recs and you're going to get a normal approach on those. These are, our, we never can call them low priority, right. But you know, <laughs> the normal ones, normal world. Yeah. So, okay. We can only afford to do a light touch on these. So then saying to the hiring manager, you're going to have to screen these. You're going to have to bring these through. Um, and then we will help you. We will help you get your job out there and we will help you close your job. But the piece in the middle, you're really going to have to do most of the work there. And it's not ideal, but, you know, it's a practical solution when there's just too much work on. Um, now in a bigger organization, you know, we have we have a, a ju- our junior sources, if you like, are doing that kind of work. They're the ones doing the screening. So we we really do separate the work into different levels of experience within TA. So you're maximizing or optimizing the use of the TA people to do the, the best work they can. And it's still challenging for them rather than being pulled down into doing too much admin. But that I recognize that's more of a larger scale organization thing. Yeah, it's um, interesting, actually. And, and I can see Willem is typing an answer to this. We've had a couple of questions in on Q&A. So thank you so much, folks, for for putting them in. One of the questions, actually, um, which might be one for, for me and, and Willem, I know you've been recently working startups as well, um, is in a startup scale up business, are the co-founders involved in the hiring process? Um, so I can answer for Zinc. Um, we were this time last year, uh, about eight people. I actually wasn't even at Zinc this time last year. So, um, yes, they were heavily involved in the recruitment process. What we have kind of shifted to now is, um, they are involved and have inputs into the briefing process for some roles. So especially new to Zinc roles, for example, and then we have them meet and say hello and introduce themselves at the end of the process. So, Every candidate who's coming in for a final stage has the chance to meet the founders um, get a sense for what it'd be like to work with them. We're small enough in a small startup where that's really important, um, especially at the, the size and, and stage we are. I think having having the opportunity to to meet with the founders is really important. Um, but um, uh, Willem, I can see you've you've shared an answer. Did you want to talk about that a little bit? Yeah, I think I think. You know, what I've seen most successful companies, founders very, you know, no, like most often it's second or third time founder who's like the first time they didn't really spend any time on hiring. They've been burned or like they, they've seen it happen when they were like a VP of engineering and, you know, hiring was just one big black box. Um, I think those people, you need to learn that hiring is going to be your biggest problem up until at least 100 people. And I think founders that don't get that yet, you know, I stay Kind of like away from it. like I've worked with a lot of founders scaling their businesses. Um, like the majority, like 80% wanted to kind of like have me in just to take away all their problems, which I don't think a recruiter or a talent person should do. They should partner and be strategic and understand the market and have the network and all that stuff. Right. I think the uh, the delivery recruiter is kind of like obsolete and getting more obsolete, especially now in this in this kind of like market economics. Um the, you know, the, the, the thing that I would always, you know, do is like educate the founders on why they should be like, you can't expect this, this from them. They've got a ton of different um, priorities to, to juggle. You know, there's a product, there's a sales, there's, there's everything, but you know, you as the, as a talent person should like educate that. And the, the way that I see it is you do that by data. And I think that's where the real problem is. And that's also why I'm, why I, you know, started working on Ashby is, you know, being a, like allowing to, uh, heads of talents and talent folks to be able to visualize what's going wrong, where they, where they, 
you know, have, have throughput problems where there's kind of like, you know, interview, um, you know, people not submitting their feedback, um, you know, alerting around like hygiene around the, the pipeline. Do we get back to people? I think that whole kind of like what you've seen in marketing operations and sales operations where it's like very, you know, diligent around the operation. Um, that's only just beginning in, uh, in, um, um, in the talent acquisition for, um, like world. And, you know, that's why I'm excited. You know, I think founders will get that, you know, they will get more excited about hiring because hiring is also getting up-leveled in a way. Yeah. I've, I've been really enjoying that, um, over the past year and, you know, it's, it's been a bit of a data gathering, um, sort of operation for me last year, cause I didn't have much data to go off. So we got to the end of, of the year and had lots of really interesting insights to sort of present back and, and, you know, kind of engage with, with Luke and Charlotte, our co-founders. Hello, if you're watching. Um, and yeah, I, I really enjoyed that process. But how long did it take you to build that data, right? How long, like, I think this is where the biggest problem is that you've like, now maybe not, you don't have 20 roles open anymore, but like, you know, that there is a, there is a big problem right now in the TA world. And I'll just call it like with the current ATSs is that you can't get the data out of your system. You have to juggle CSVs, Excels, you need to, and this is also, you know, to the quality of higher report that I will share you know, when we get to that. Like there, it's just a lot of manual juggling of data, which you don't really have time for. And I think that's where, where um, you know, what, what we suffer from currently. And that's also why um, Ashby is a, you know, that's why we're working on that kind of like fixing that hiring excellence. Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, to answer your question, it took me all year. Um, I had no data um, to, you know, to utilize, to use. I had no sort of baseline because I, I was high number 10. So there, there really wasn't a lot to go off. So the my my sort of work in in data as a, a scale up recruiter last year was about just actually gathering it but yeah you're right I had to to gather that you know sort of fairly manually as I went um which is a, a lot of a lot of legwork um but then at the end of the year I had lots of things to work with that was super interesting and to pick up on another another sort of question that's come in um we measured time to hire and it was interesting to Thankfully, because it was going in the right direction, see that go down as the year went on and we got up to speed and into a rhythm, which was fantastic. But also um, one of the things we want to start looking at uh, next year now that we've got you know, kind of data is um, uh, quality of hire. And, and person in the audience has asked, um, you know, do you measure quality of hire? And if so, how? Um, and that is something that, yeah, we're certainly sort of starting to consider and and look at the, the best way of going about that, I think. I would love to hear how VMware does this, by the way. Like, yes. how does VMware measure quality of hire? Because you're like a sophisticated, like bigger company. Like, yes. you must have the answer. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> really, William? Um, okay. I, quality of hire is something we all talk about for years, haven't we? And, you know, and I must have had that discussion. Every single company I've worked in is how do we really measure quality of hire? I mean, look, we're... We're a bigger company where we've got lots of things that we can pull on in learning and development. We've got a really strict, structured um, development program that people go through, really clear on probation periods. All that stuff is in a really good place. And we have a large HR department that can work through these things. So it's I wouldn't say it's just one measure, but it is there's a lot of things that we can do as a large organization to 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 run through surveys we've got manager surveys happening every quarter you know there's there's lots of information that comes through you know i'm aware this is for scale ups and i can only say that when i had to put in quality of hire in a startup i put in 
um, I had to just bring it down to the most simple thing. And I do think we overcomplicate these things or we try and over-engineer it. You know, simply it can just be, do they pass their probationary period? If they pass their probationary period, then we're going to call it that it was a quality hire. So if you don't have probationary periods, you could say, are they here after six months? If you start going into, you know, what was their performance review after a year or something, it starts to break down, partly because the turnover is so high in a lot of startups anyway. And secondly, because you're going to, you're just going to be coming up against other factors that come into it. You know, was it their manager or was it actually the hire? So let's not over-engineer this stuff, you know, stop over-complicating our own jobs. They're hard enough as it is. Yeah, it's, diff- it's difficult difficult to correlate never mind fighting cause between hiring and somebody being fired 18 months later is it yeah yeah it brings up a really uh question from the audience actually sort of possibly already answered it was how much ownership to should talent have on quality of hire do people see it's more a recruiter thing or a hiring manager thing and i think yeah uh i i would agree with andrea actually i uh, maybe because i i typically have worked as a, a solo uh lone wolf kind of recruiter for for a long time now um rightly or wrongly and um yeah I've I've had to to sort of do a lot of stuff uh single-handedly so that that often does mean uh, let's find the simplest most elegant way of doing it um and that often does mean looking at kind of simple things and also you know I see recruiters as you know sort of facilitators um you know we're facilitating bringing great people into the business um and making sure that that experience is top-notch that process is top-notch so the the early stage briefing the the interviewing the onboarding you know that needs to be great and that is our responsibility to make sure it happens smoothly but actually these people coming in and doing jobs and doing them well and enjoying their work you know that's not just sort of a people team problem that's that's the hiring managers it's their responsibility to grow their team um so it's definitely it's it's a team effort um it's a a difference i guess sophie between quality of application quality of candidate and quality of hire we can to a certain degree control quality of application by making sure we go to the right places the right markets etc right channels we can control quality of candidate by making sure we screen them in the right way or assess them in the right way before presenting them to the client although sorry the hiring manager but actually that hiring decision is theirs unless for some weird reason it's been put in our hand the hiring decision is still the hiring manager's responsibility and actually whether they become a good hire is even more their responsibility than it is TAs. Yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure. I uh, I can't make the the decision for for a hiring manager. Um, if and... only, eh? Sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> I think one thing that that we overlook is kind of like where we do influence a little bit of the the you know the the verbatim is the this average score on all the interviews, right? So they've gone through a, a you know they've gone through some interview steps. Like what I would always measure, and some ATSs you can't do this, but actually you can. You can actually run the average recommendation, like the score, like the average score on 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 any given candidate. Um, and if it's like you know across the board at four point one or something or three point nine, which is like on a scale to one to five, like are they also performing like that, right? So then you can pull in quite easily. You can not correlate it because you like to Andrea's point, like there's always a man, like if you introduce time complexity, you introduce a manager, like how well is the manager trained? So it, it gets a bit of a black box again. Like I think the, like start correlating the performance review, I think probation periods. Yeah, it's, you know, that's also a bit, I think that the six month, like maybe the 12 month, like, 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 like taking the ground is a bit better, but like start correlating 
are like did somebody gone through our interview process they scored there's an average score like are they also performing and exceeding um expectations right are the strong yeses also warranting like the strong performers and mm. that's where you know if that's not happening then you can go to your 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 interviewers and say like hey what like looks like we're scoring quite quite positively here like what should we do like like i think that's a very nice way to to also weave it in a little bit into the talent acquisition game is to understand like how you can you can train your interviews to um um, um to to have that kind of kind of synergy but anyway my framework was to andrea's point over engineering like i took every six like into a move every six months we had a performance cycle i extracted that manually from culture and they have no api whatsoever i took the bamboo hr data i linked it all with the ashby and the fountain data because we had two ats's and you know we did like a probation period thing and a like, well, is the, like, are they rocking it? Are they on track or are they, um, you know, in uh, a performance plan? And it took me a week to just deliver that. Um, and it did, did give in good insights, but like, I think like learning from that, I think, you know, keeping it at the ATS level where you kind of like controlled as a TA lead and start introducing kind of like, we're scoring people a certain way. Are they performing in a certain way as well? Yeah, I mean, the, the scorecard data is useful information for the manager to reflect on um, when when sort of considering um, sort of the, the candidate's performance later down the line, for sure. Um, there's an interesting uh, comment come in on the Q&A, um, sort of saying uh, some managers are more stringent on passing probation than others, depending on the style of the manager. Passing probation seems like a low bar and a tool that different hiring managers use differently, which is an interesting perspective. Um but yeah, I am, right, I'm aware we're running out of time. Um, I feel like I could uh, sort of car I could carry on um, for sure, certainly, but aware that folks need to head back to their afternoon. So closing thoughts, um, what, uh, what kind of top tip, um, Willem, we'll start with you. What sort of top tip would you advise anyone listening to consider when kicking off with their recruitment this year? Um, I think... Going to your CFO and asking like, hey, how can I help you, you know, weather this storm? Um, yep. And, you know, I take a look at Ashby. <laughs> <laughs> I, say, I see what you did there. I'll, 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 I'll allow it. Um, Alan, what, what would you say? And Zinc, of course, and Zinc. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> I, I'm not going to pitch. Um, I would say <laughs> just, just look at your process and see what value each individual step in that process is actually adding and um, strip out any bottlenecks or low value elements. I like that. So we've got a we've got a paid option with Willem, the free option with Alan. Andrea, what would what would you say? I'd say increase the flexibility in your team. So just whether you are a startup and it's just a couple of you there, or whether you're a larger organization, I think you need to be looking at just TA as a broader piece of the work. Like what are you actually going to do that's going to add value? Is it aligned to where the business needs to go this year? And make sure everything you're doing is aligned to that. So we have OKRs as a large organization. You may just have a mission of values and things that you need to do. Make sure everything is in the founders or the leadership team's language mm. and you're going to be a lot more relevant. Yeah, yeah, I would say that's that's a great one um, and, and something that, that we are constantly looking at here at Zinc. So fabulous. Thank you. On that note, thank you so much 
for for joining me in our first uh live webinar pod in our uh, producer lucy uh so coined then we realized webcast was already a word but never mind thank you very much for everyone attending um those who stuck with us as we run over slightly really appreciate it uh this has been talent hacks for scale ups and thank you very much thanks everyone bye bye, bye. this podcast is brought to you by zinc Zinc is an all-in-one background and reference checking software that supercharges the capabilities of ambitious HR and hiring teams. Our range of integrated solutions turn bad to brilliant, saving weeks of team time all while building brand love. Thanks for listening.